So we're continuing through our series titled The Full Armor of God, and, and we've been looking these last several weeks at, um, at this, this last final section of the book of Ephesians uh, as Paul focuses on, on many different big picture purposes for the church in the book of Ephesians. And, and as we, uh, again, see, see that and, and realize that, it's a little bit different than some of his other letters Many of his letters are focused on specific people or specific situations where Ephesians looks more at some bigger picture uh, purposes that God has for the church. And, and he addresses many different topics and issues throughout the letter. But then the, the final topic he addresses um, in chapter 6 is how we as the church are on the front lines of a great spiritual conflict. And we see, again, the Theme verses of this series come from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 11, where it says, A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. And as we look at these, again, kind of foundational verses, there's, there's a few truths that we see that, that we need to know and understand in order to be able to live out and, and apply all and, and fully wear all of this armor. First is we see who the real enemy is, right? The real enemy is not other people. It is not our culture. It's not, you know, um, even sp- uh, specific issues, right? The real enemy is the devil and forces of evil. Right? And we know, again, that, that this, this battle is not a physical battle, but it is a spiritual one. It is, it is in the unseen world. Right? And yet we also see that we are not to fight with our own power, but to fight with God's power. Right? And we know, again, as we see, the, the theme of all of Scripture is that God wins, Right? And that the end is already written, but yet we are a part of this war because the devil and, and the powers of evil do not like God and want to do anything they can do to hurt God or to hinder God's work. And because we are created in the image of God, therefore we become the primary target of this cosmic war between good and evil. But yet we can be strong. Right? We can stand firm because we are in the winning side and we need to fight with God's power, not our own. And victory is assured if we can do that. And lastly, though, we see that we need all of the armor. We need every piece. And we've been looking at these through these last few weeks and at all of the different pieces that are described and realizing that they all fit together, they all intertwine, they all overlap in these different areas of our lives, and yet if one of them is weak, that will potentially be the place that the enemy will attack, right? Because we know, right, the best strategy to win in a battle is not to attack where they're strong, but to attack where they are weak. So we're going to read this morning uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 18, where uh, Paul describes for us here all of the different pieces of the armor and, and how, again, describes how they are all put together. So if you have your own Bible with you, I invite you to open with me to Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. If you don't have your own Bible or don't have it with you today, there are Bibles provided for you in the seats that you're welcome to use. And uh, you'll see the page number is there on where you can find this passage in those Bibles. So we're going to pick up here Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, at verse 13, where it says, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. 
And then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth so, and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from God from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So as we see, again, Paul describes these many different pieces of the armor that that a, a, a Roman soldier would wear. And we think, where did he come up with this illustration of, of Roman armor? And, and when we realized that this was one of the letters that Paul wrote from a prison cell and, and likely kind of looked up and saw there's a Roman officer standing right in front of him and said, yes, I can use this illustration. Right? As we see this battle that we fight and how every piece of the armor is important, and, and the, the, the order that Paul describes them in is the order that, that a soldier would put it on, right? And because it all, again, kind of builds on top of each other. And so we, we've looked, again, through these last several weeks that, that uh, at all of these different pieces, and again, once these pieces are all in place, then that soldier would be ready for battle, which is the same concept that Paul's teaching us in this spiritual battle. We started with the belt of truth, and we saw how truth was not just a list of facts, but was truthfully a character trait within God and who he is. And the belt is important because it holds everything in place, and many pieces of the armor are tied to the belt, and it starts with truth. It is the very foundation of not just the armor, but also of what we need as believers. And then we said the next piece is the breastplate of righteousness. And, and again, we saw how righteousness are, is like the guardrails on the road of life, right? That God gets to decide what the rules are. And that if we follow those through righteous living, then we will have the freedom to truly be who we are, right? And to fulfill everything that God needs us to do and to, to get to the destination God needs us to go to. And then last week, we looked at the shoes of peace and, and how we, we see that, again, the peace um, is the, the foundation that holds us up. It, it, it creates us um, agility in the battle and, and how, you know, again, peace can, can just can change everything if we don't have it. Right? Just like our feet, again, if they're uncomfortable, change everything about our body and about our effectiveness as a soldier in the battle. And now today we are to the shield of faith, right, is the next piece. Now, this one obviously is, is a little different than the other ones. It's not something that's really worn, but yet something that's carried, right, and something that is, that is added, you know, onto, onto the top of, of all of the armor. It is the first line of defense. It is a, 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 a defense weapon. And as we see that, we see there's a little... Uh, a little more explanation of this shield uh, in verse 16. I mean, Paul, Paul elaborates on this shield a little bit more than on, on some of the other pieces. Again, in verse 16, he says, In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. 
So again, there, there's quite a bit to break down here, and we're going we're gonna to look a little deeper into that this morning, but, but we start out with just the shield, and, and this, even the way he describes the shield. And um, again, there was a few different kinds of shields that uh, a Roman warrior could have. Okay, the most common shield um, that most of the Romans would carry on more of a regular basis um, was, is a shield like this. It's this round one, lighter round shield. Um, and the, um, again, the, the, the word that was used to describe this shield was an aspis shield. Again, it's smaller, round, lighter. Um, and in fact, this is not the shield that Paul describes in this verse. Hey, this, um, like I said, this was the common one. This is the, the aspis shield. But, but the word that Paul uses for the shield in this verse right, is he uses... Uh, the word therios to describe the shield. Now, this is a very different shield than this small round one. This shield looks more like this. Okay, this shield is a full-length shield, right? It is designed to to protect not just uh, your arm, right, or to glance off a blow, but, but it is designed to protect your entire body. Okay, this shield, again, like I said, is full Length is obviously much heavier, right? More heavy duty and designed for a very different purpose. In fact, this shield most of the time would be, uh, have these different pieces involved in it, but the outside of it was, it was typically made of wood, right? And then the outside of it would be lined with leather. It would be overlaid with leather. And so again, this is not a light shield, Right, this would be kind of the equivalent, if you look at our modern like, police equipment, is this would be like a riot shield that they would use um, today. Okay, this shield, again, was covered um, in, is made of wood, then lined on the outside with leather and designed to protect the entire body. This shield, again, would be taken out for specific purposes, for specific lines within a battle. And in fact, this shield, when we all put together in the front line, um, many Roman uh, legions of officers, would they would come in and they would make formations with these shields. Hey, just an example here of a couple of the formations they would make with these shields. They would, could, again, could come in, they could surround their officer or, or their leading time, and kind of the, the front line would go with the shield, and you could see they could encircle and, and protect many um, warriors with this shield. And sometimes, again, if there are lots of arrows or, or uh, the initial attack of front lines, you can see they could, they'd line up and even have a couple layers of these shields and, and create these, these, these fortresses, right, any place that they would need them. And we can see, again, these shields, um, again, were, were very specific. Okay, this kind of shield is supposed to protect my entire body and was designed for a specific purpose. And its main purpose, okay, was to extinguish flaming arrows, which is exactly what Paul says in this verse, right? He says, take up this shield. This is the way your faith should be, right? And this shield will, will, again, is, is designed for a very specific purpose, to protect your entire body as well as to extinguish arrows. Now, the, the, how would a shield extinguish arrows? Okay, the key right, is, is why they would 
line it with leather. They would take this leather and, uh, that's outside of it, and they would, they would soak the shield in water. And that leather would soak up that water. Now, we all know that this means it was not very um, light, right, or easy to yield, right? But it did make it very effective because when those flaming arrows would be shot at, if it hit that, that shield, right, that water within that leather, right, would, would not burn. In fact, it would, it would extinguish those arrows as soon as they hit that shield. Again, this shield is supposed to protect my entire body and is designed for a very specific purpose. Again, as we, as we dive deeper into the shield of faith this morning, I want you to remember this phrase. Okay, remember this phrase. A strong faith will stop and extinguish deceptions and lies. A strong faith will stop and extinguish deceptions and lies. Again, this is a shield that was designed for a very specific purpose, and it was used effectively by the Roman armies to accomplish exactly what it was designed to do. Now, as we look at this shield, the see, but the, the, the significant part for us is not just the shield, but the fact that it is a shield of faith. Again, a strong faith will stop and extinguish all the deceptions and lies of the enemy. So as we look at what is faith, now, faith is a, is a huge concept in Scripture. Yeah, and maybe you, you might have noticed when you pull out the outline this morning that, that, that all of the scripture that's on there is really tiny today. Okay, because I had to make it really small to fit it on there. And in fact, I cut out more scripture on faith than what I could use this week. Because faith is a huge concept throughout scripture. And as we realize that, again, we're just going to glance the surface of faith this morning. Right, but we're going to see how important it truly is. But as we think about faith and think about the shield of faith, the first thing we need to realize is that faith is our first line of defense against the enemy. Okay, faith is our first line of defense against the enemy. And again, he tells us, right, this is, again, the shield of faith. And once again, we see, like, like many of these attributes we've already looked at, um, as we see there's, there's different perspectives of these attributes, and especially between the Old Testament perspective and the New Testament perspective. And faith is, is, is more true with faith than any of these that we've already looked at. And when we look at the, the Old Testament perspective of faith, it is mainly a moral response that is manifested through obedience. Again, it's not an abstract understanding or an emotion Okay, it is very concrete in the Old Testament description of faith. Right? It is manifested through obedience. And it is centered on, again, the, one of the core attributes of God, right? Of, especially the Old Testament God of Yahweh, is that he is a faithful God. Again, they view God just as we continually do, even in this New Testament era, right? is that they view God as, as reliable, and of holding up his side of the covenant. He is a reliable God, and that he will always hold up his side of the deal. Right? That God is a faithful God. Now, obviously, when we look at this Old Testament perspective of faith, it's, it's very connected to righteousness. Right? We looked at righteousness, and when we looked at the breastplate of righteousness, how it is our 
our last line of defense to keep us alive, right? And yet the shield, our faith, is the first line of defense. Because we know that God is faithful, right? And once again, this is an attribute that is a part of his character, right? That God is faithful. And, and we, we see that then in this Old Testament standard of faith, that that faith in the Old Testament view is believing in God and being obedient to God's law. Again, this Old Testament covenant, this, this, the first covenant that was established right through Abraham and through Moses and, and, and Joshua and all of the Old Testament prophets, right? The, the Old Testament law. Okay, and again, why was the law something to live up to? Well, because it was given by a faithful God. And saying this, God says, if you, here's your side of the deal, and this is my side of the deal. Right? God's side was that he was with them constantly. He was guiding them. Right? He was providing for them and, and in relationship with them. And their side was to be atoned for through the law, to, to keep up that relationship through obedience of the law. And that was the Old Testament view. It's primarily focused on, a, on obedience to a faithful God. But then as we move forward to the New Testament view, right, and the New Testament view then moves into the new covenant of grace, right, and this is the new covenant again that we celebrated even today when we took communion, right, that reminds us of, again, the new covenant that was ushered in by the Messiah, by his death and resurrection, right, which is why Jesus instituted communion at the Last Supper, right before he makes that sacrifice, Right, as he goes to the cross, and then he rises again on, on Easter morning, right, and establishes a new covenant, and the new covenant is one of grace. Again, and in this new covenant, faith is no longer just about obedience, but it is a, more centered on belief. Jesus becomes the object of our faith, no longer just the subject of the faith, as in the Old Testament view. Again, I place my faith in him. And faith comes first, and then righteousness follows. And that is the New Testament standard. Believing in and trusting Jesus. Right? It is a lot more relational in nature and focuses on repentance more than on obedience. Because in the Old Covenant, it was about being obedient to a faithful God. And in the New Covenant, it was ushered in by Jesus Christ and by his death and resurrection. Right? It is now much more about believing in and trusting in Jesus. I put my faith in Jesus right, to restore my, nature, my relationship with him. And again, it's the, the first step of faith is repentance. It is no longer obedience. We see this again all throughout Scripture in the New Testament, especially Jesus taught this concept over and over again as he was transitioning people to the new covenant of grace. And we see it in Romans 3, 21 and 22. It says, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Again, it's no longer about Jew or Gentile or or race, or gender, or, right? It's for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. 
Right, and that, again, is the, the foundation of the gospel message that we are saved by faith, not by works. Again, now, do we still pursue righteousness? Absolutely. But our motivation for obedience is very different than it was in the Old Testament view in the first covenant. Right? We now do good works because of our salvation, not to earn our salvation. Again, faith comes first and then is backed up by righteousness. The shield is our first line of defense and our righteousness is our last line of defense. Right? We start with faith. We see in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12, earlier in the letter, is, as Paul, is, again, is teaching these different concepts, setting us up for the armor of God. He says, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Right? Because of Christ and because of our faith in him, we are made clean. We are no longer seen by God as a sinful human, but we are seen as, as a sinless companion of God. And we can come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Again, faith is primarily relational in nature. Right? It, it's about, re, um, again, rekindling and reestablishing that that one-on-one -on -one relationship with God that we were created for. And if we think about and see this, again, New Testament view of faith and, and the, the, the biblical definition is one of these verses that just kind of lays out exactly for us what we are looking for. Um, and for faith, it comes in Hebrews 11.1, 1, where it says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for and is the evidence of things we cannot see. Again, two huge concepts about faith that, that are somewhat hard to even understand. But again, faith, it shows the reality of what I hope. What do I hope for? Well, I hope for being in a right place with my God. I hope for salvation. I hope for eternity with him. Right? I hope for, for knowing him better and growing my own faith, being who he created me to be. I, I hope for, again, an unhindered relationship with him. Right, for fulfillment and peace right, and truth and righteousness and all these things we've already looked at. Right? What do we hope for? We hope for being whole, being who we were created to be. Right? I know what I hope for. Right? I know where I want to go. I know the destination of my journey. Right? And faith is, is the reality of knowing that what I hope for, right? And faith is also, again, as you said, it's the evidence of things that we cannot see. It's, it's having a belief and a trust in something that is not physically in front of me, but yet a God that I know, even though it's not physically in front of me. I can't see it, but it is incredibly real. I mean, when you think about, again, this, this faith, right, and how, again, it is the first line of defense in this battle. Right? And then, again, it comes first, and then it is backed up by righteousness. Okay, we see, again, uh, that this faith brings me into this, this, this relationship with God, this, this uh, again, a place of, of salvation, and then I, I, I 
I can make Christ my Savior through my faith and believe in him, and then I continue to get the freedom to move forward in my journey and, and make him truly my Lord. Right, and then we see, though, again, this, this, this shield, and, and again, our faith was, was created for a very specific purpose. Again, what was that purpose? We saw that purpose of the, of the shield was to extinguish the flaming arrows of the enemy. And so and you think, so, so what, what does that mean? Why, why does Paul call that out so specifically? Okay, well, first, let's move to that piece of this. Next is we see that the flaming arrows is a metaphor for speech. Okay, flaming arrows is a metaphor for speech. Now, we, we see speech and words is, a, is an illustration, a concept we see all through Scripture. Okay, that, that fire is, is many times used by, by several different biblical authors to describe words and speech. Okay, obviously it is by Paul, but there's many other places, right, that we see that throughout Scripture. Okay, but there are two things I want to point out this morning that we know about words and speech. And that, that we learn, again, from this ongoing biblical illustration of words and fire. Okay, the first one is this. Okay, we know that if it comes from the enemy, it is not true and it is meant to harm. Again, if it is... If it's a fiery arrow from the devil, okay, then we know that it is, that it is not true okay, and that it is meant to harm. Again, Jesus already told us, and we looked at it in earlier messages, that, that, that the enemy is the father of all lies. He says there's no truth in him. That if he's, We know he's lying if his mouth is moving. Right? And when we realize this, we know, again, that, that it's not true. We also know that it is meant to do harm. It, it, look at, in Proverbs 26, 18 through 21. It says, Just as damaging as a madman shooting a deadly weapon is someone who lies to a friend and then says, I was only joking. Fire goes out without wood and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. A quarrelsome person starts fights as easily as hot embers like charcoal or fire lights wood. Again, we see even here the, again, the, the, the writer of this proverb is, is showing us how, how damaging words can be. Right? That words are, are something that can be used right, and cause more damage than, than even physical realities oftentimes can. Right? We all know that, that old, old adage right, that sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Guess what? That's a lie of the enemy, by the way. Because it's not true. Right? Words do hurt. Right? And just as this proverb tells us, right, that, that it, it even compares it, right, to many ways of, of fire and to say that, again, that many times words are meant to harm us. Again, and we know the power that they hold. Right? Which leads us to the, the second thing that we know about words, and that is that words are powerful. Right? Words are powerful. And it's one of the reasons why the enemy uses them, right? Because they're powerful. I mean, we see this, again, all throughout Scripture, the, the power of words. In James 3, 5 through 6, we see in the same way the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. 
It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting the entire body. It can set your whole life on fire for it is set on fire by hell itself. Words are powerful. Right? One word, one phrase can just set everything on fire. Right? And it can spread quickly. Right? And it can be hard to contain. And you can't take it back. Right? Words are powerful. And, and we, we see here, again, as James describes this, as, as how powerful words can really be and how quickly they can get out of hand. And, and again, Paul, Paul, or not Paul, James wrote this verse. Right? James, I mean, shows us in a very negative context, right, about how powerful they are. But even throughout Scripture, though, words, when it comes to fire, are not just seen in a negative context. Okay, we also see, again, in, in Acts, we see this description of, of, of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on all believers. And it says, then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Again, this event in Acts 2 is as the Holy Spirit's poured out and notice these, these flames Flaming tongues come down on them, and all of a sudden their words became incredibly powerful in sharing the truth of the gospel and how people could be saved and be made right with God. And in this chapter, thousands of people turned their hearts to Christ. Words are powerful, but they don't have to be negative. Right? We know that when they're spoken by the enemy, they're always false and they're meant to harm. But if they're spoken through the Holy Spirit or through, the, if they, you know, through God and through his holiness and through his faithfulness, they're also meant to make us better. Because we know if the words come from the enemy, that they're lies and false deceptions. But if they come from God, they are truth. They are real. They are things that we can put our faith in because we know that words are incredibly powerful. And because of this, again, the enemy knows this as well, right? Which is why, again, the enemy uses fiery arrows to shoot at us, right, with these false words. But yet, remember that phrase, a strong faith will stop and extinguish deceptions and lies. Right? A strong faith will stop and extinguish deceptions and lies. But in order for my faith to, to be effective and to do that, my faith needs to be in the right thing. Okay? My faith must be in God for the shield to protect me. My faith must be in God if the shield is going to protect me. Because the truth is, we can put faith in a lot of different things. We can put faith in a lot of different things. We can put our faith in other people. We can put our faith in money. We can put our faith in an organization. We can put our, our faith in a church. We can even put our faith in a religion. But those things will let you down. Because they aren't God. If you put your faith in anything other than God, you are setting yourself up for disaster. Because none of those things are perfect. They're not holy. They are not completely faithful like God is. 
If you put your faith in anything other than God, you're setting yourself up for disaster because it will let you down. Psalms 18.30 says, God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. We must put our faith in God to be protected by this shield because God is truth. And therefore, God will expose lies and deceptions very easily. When we are protected by truth, then lies become obvious. And when we know that they are lies, then they have no power. Psalms 28, 7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. I trust him with all of my heart. He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. Right, and then Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, again, earlier in the letter, Paul says that there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Again, he is, he's telling us your faith must be in God or else this shield cannot protect you. If your faith is in anything other than God, it is going to let you down. Again, you can take confidence. We can come boldly and confidently into God's presence, knowing that there is one God, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all. Right? And, and the, the, the confidence that comes with that. Because, you know, one of the fiery arrows that the enemy uses is the arrows of doubt. Because doubt can definitely be arrows as well. And yet we, as, as followers of Jesus, as as Believers who have on the full armor, we need to not see doubt as a hindrance to our faith, but see doubt as an opportunity to grow. Because if the enemy throws that doubt in your head, then a strong faith will stop it and will, will prove right, that that doubt is not founded. And when you realize that that doubt is not founded, it pushes you way further forward in your faith and in your confidence in who God is. The fact that there's one God overall, in all, and living through all. Right? And, and when you, it's not even a bad thing for you to have questions in your mind about who God is or what is your next step. Right? In fact, you need to see it as a growth step. Right? Not as a hindrance to your faith. Because a strong faith will stop and extinguish deceptions and lies and doubts. The last thing that we just need to know and this we need to, to, to rest ourselves on with this armor is that faith will grow stronger the further I go in my journey. Right? That faith will grow stronger the further I go in my journey. Okay, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says that, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Again, what is my faith focused on? It is focused on Jesus. He is the destination of our journey. Right? He is my hope. Right? He is the evidence of things that I haven't seen but yet is very real in my life as my Savior and my Lord. 
right? And what are we told to do here? Since we are surrounded by all of these shields of faith, right, with all of these other people, with all of their faith, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to, to strip off anything that slows me down in my journey. Right, whether that is, again, a sin, right, whether that's a doubt, whether that's um, a, a deception that I believe, what, whatever it might be, I'm supposed to get rid of it, strip it off, right? And I do that, again, by focusing and strengthening my faith on Jesus because Jesus initiates our faith, right? He is the way, the truth, and life, right? But Jesus also perfects our faith, because if I'm more like Jesus tomorrow than I am today, then my faith is getting stronger. Which brings me to a final thought this morning, and that is this. A strong faith will stop and extinguish deceptions and lies, protecting the whole body. So what flaming arrows need extinguished in your journey? What is holding you back? Right, what doubt is in the back of your mind? What what deception or lie have you believed? Right, what have you put your faith in that's not God? I don't know what's holding back your journey, but we need to do exactly what Scripture tells us to do, is get rid of it, strip it off. Give it to Jesus this morning. So as we conclude this morning, I just encourage you again to respond to whatever's holding back your journey. Lord God, we believe in the name of Jesus. God, we know what our hope is in. Lord, we have confidence in the things that are unseen because, Lord, we have faith in you. And God, I pray, Lord, that as we go this week, as we leave here and we go into battle for you this week, Lord, that we would lead with our faith. God, it is our first line of defense in this battle, and we put our trust in you and you alone. Lord, we pray this week, that you would extinguish whatever flaming arrows, Lord, have, have made its way into our life and into our, our journey, Lord. Extinguish them with your truth. God, we, we praise you, God, for providing for us our faith, our salvation, Lord, our growth in you. And Lord, as we go this week, we pray that you would be glorified through all we do. God, that we would lead with our faith and we would back up with our righteousness, God, and show this world what it means to truly follow you and to have a real hope. Guide us as we go this week, Lord, as we fight for you every day and as we strengthen every piece of the armor, especially our shield of faith. We love you. We praise you. Thank you for all you do. Guide us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.